Isn't it great to have great music and expectation from God, a place where you're going to meet God, words that speak to your heart as we worship God? Yeah. What expectation we have from God continually. Um, I was, I'm giving a testimony of the uh, NBCNS Junior and Senior Retreat uh, weekend. We just came back from it. It was uh, Friday uh started at 8 o'clock in the morning here with the devotional, and then we came back here around noon yesterday, a little afternoon. And uh, so in MBCNS, there's about 120 students that are registered in total, okay? And then about 20% of us, or maybe a little over 20, 20 yeah, a little over 20 of us were at the uh, retreat. And uh, then we had about seven or eight uh, counselors, uh, you know, faculty members, uh, things like that. Who uh, and we met. Um, who who was there? We had a husband and wife. We had a, a, a father and a daughter. You know, we have students from different countries. That's who was there. Um, we had messages. Um, just first of all, if you knew. Just want to give a shout out for uh, Pastor Matt Garrett, just his leadership, his role in the Bible College. That it, yeah, it would have. Okay, um, he's just doing a great job of like making sure that uh, the gospel, the mess, God's heart is in the Bible College from the message to the way the students are are. Uh, administered to or treated or the way uh, the faculty thinks of the students uh, to also giving them vision, you know, for their personal lives and and also for ministerial work in the future. So Pastor Matt's doing an incredible job with that. But uh, the junior senior weekend, um, you know, the, you could say the messages. Um, yeah, it was on the Holy Spirit on the, the grace of God. I just want to read this one verse, just just thinking of, sometimes we talk about Bible college maybe a lot, but it's really incredible what's happening over there. You know, four nights out of the week, you know, there's Bible school classes here happening from 6 to 10 o'clock at night. You know, if you didn't know that, it's an, it's an incredible... Um, and then also we have Bible school classes in the morning during the week. So it's an incredible uh, offering that our church gives because because of the word of God. Um, also, during this weekend, um, uh, Zane and Jillian, they're here. I saw they're right here. Uh, don't clap yet. I'll tell you, don't clap yet. Um, uh, they, you ever like prepare a meal, like, you know, it took you all day to prepare a meal, and then uh, in 20 minutes it's all over? Has anybody ever done it? Like, wait, what? I was like, I, th- wait, I thought there was more. Like, but they, they just, they gave us an incredible weekend. I don't know how many hours they spent, like scavenger hunts to, you know, to meals, to games, to activities, team building. We had a scavenger hunt uh, in, the, in the whole camp for two hours where we, you know, we had to run over like five miles just to accomplish it. So it was like, uh, 
Incredible. Oh, thank you guys for what you did. That was incredible. Zane and Jillian right there. And then the students that were there. Um, uh, just one verse that I just want to, I've been thinking of this morning. I just, it's Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, the, uh, 4 1. Therefore, it's after Paul is talking about like who he wants the body of Christ to be. And he's kind of like singling himself out as now I'm going to speak to you as, you know, this, this is, was God's heart. Now I'm going to speak to you. Um, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, that's who he is. And prisoner isn't necessarily he's in a Roman prison. It's God has put him inside of a box in his heart, in his motivations, his desire. His life is inside of a box. And this is what he tells. He tells the church in Ephesus, I beseech you, like the, like the, the, the greatest desire that I have for you, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation of which you were called. This vocate, this word vocation is just, it's a, it's celeb, it's a framework of celebrating or feasting in your salvation. And this is, this is a, uh, it's a box. And no part of our life can escape it. It's not a broken frame where you have a way out. But that our life would be inside of that vocation. And as we see, and this is what he's telling them, his church, um, personally, from his experience. He's not exalting his being a prisoner you know, but in a cell, he's talking about his heart, about his life, about a conclusion of life. And this is what I think of, like, you know, it's like we see people in the Bible school, and that's us, but I just, I just saw students and, and, and the vision of the ministry to the people's lives are inside of this framework, and they're celebrating, they're feasting on the salvation that they receive from Jesus Christ. And they've put their, they're, they're putting this frame around their life. They have a vocation. And so, um, this, you know, this weekend we, I just, for me personally, I saw like, uh, like needs and desires for myself to, uh, invest in students' lives. Um, I saw the incredible joy that, uh, that, uh, living inside of the body of Christ has. You know, I saw the, uh, the love for the word, uh, the lo- corporately, the love for the word of these students and how these students are basing their lives upon this. And so, and then we also see the vision. We see where, you know, like our students are thinking about the world. They're thinking about ministry. So this is just a, maybe just a shout out for NBC and S. You know, and what it's doing for, for your prayers to be involved. And remember at six o'clock when you're at home or something, there's something happening down here at NBCNS that's great. People are, there's 120 people putting their lives inside of this, this framework, uh, down here at NBCNS. So, amen.
Let's turn to the book of Ephesians this morning, and it's been a really edifying service. Um, the music, worship, so rich and great, and yeah, the band, and also uh, Pastor Gary's words on Ephesians 4. I had it in my mind also this morning uh, to sh- teach from chapter 4. By the way, this is the 9 o'clock service, and I, I'm, I'm thinking the 9 o'clock people are better than the 11 o'clock. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! <laughs> okay. So you know what I'm going to say at the 11, right? Okay, all right. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, we, really, we only, we, we are, we are so thankful. Let me draw a short picture, a small picture. Here is, uh, the, the average man has a large concept of himself, and he has, um, a small concept of God. Why is he like that? natural man has a, a lot about himself. He thinks about himself, manages his life. He uh, studies about life and about himself in it. And then his concept of God is so small. Or, I mean, wrong. His concept of God is wrong. It used to be uh, that uh, people had a Christian concept of God but now God could be an astronaut in outer space or something like that, a stone. I, I was evangelizing in one country one time, and, uh, and I knocked on the door, and a man came to the door, and I said, I would like to talk to you about God. And he said, would you like to come into my house, and, and I want to show you my God's. So I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity to learn something. So I went in, and he, he was uh, from Japan. Actually, the man was an Asian man from Japan. And he went to the closet, and he took out two what looked to me like round stones. And they were, actually, not gods. But he put them on the table. And he was serious. That's a sad sad. Uh, and I'm not making fun. What I'm saying is, man, like in our picture here, man, what does he know? And what does he invent? And what is he taught? And how do his parents bring him up? And how does he live his life? And so uh, we're in a secular world where people are defining God their own way, but they will never touch the God of the Bible where the God of the Bible is the only true wise God, Paul said. So let's change the uh, picture here. And this is what it, why you come to church. You have your concept of yourself, but you have a growing understanding of God. This is very good for us. It's to, it's to know him. So look at Ephesians chapter 1. And we have in this chapter, 
It's almost like pulling the curtain back on time and looking into eternity past and seeing that God made decisions in eternity past about us. That God is beyond time. He is spirit and eternal in love and wise and knows all things. Let me draw another picture. I don't want to confuse you. Do you get these two pictures? You got it, right? They're very simple. Okay. Boy, because of time, I think we'll just change our... We'll, I'll drop that. Okay. Lord, we just pray you would really uh, minister to us from your scripture today. Because we have come to hear your word and know you, to know you. This is our blessing, to know you. Lord, what an honor you would make yourself known to us, that we would know you. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. How does that top box, like in human terms, increase? Or how does that, how do I get to know? How, how does it come to me? How, how do I learn? How, how does the Holy Spirit bring to our hearts? How are we are anointed of God to know God, walk with God? And trust God. So in chapter 1, we know we are in him, in the beloved, verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. He didn't just, you know, say he's accepted and he's accepted and she's accepted. He paid a great price for us to be accepted. And that was by Christ's sufferings for his death on the cross. Incredible, incredible uh, proportions of love and grace that we hardly understand what it means to be loved by God, to be forgiven of all of our sins. To be called by his name. That Christ shed his precious blood. That God had to show us that this love paid a price. That Christ died, came, was sent. You know, that's a very good word. That Christ was, he wasn't just born. You and I are born into this world. We didn't exist before we were born. We were not in heaven before we were born, but Jesus was. So it says Jesus was sent from heaven. He was born and sent. He was born in Bethlehem as a human being. He was born, but more, he was sent. Nobody in history was 
could they weren't that that they nobody has ever been this is the son of god but christ the son of god sent in john 17 to save you and i to pay the price so that we would be accepted in the beloved to be accepted in the group to be accepted by god be accepted in the eternity so this happened chapter 2 explains more detail that we were dead in our sin chapter 2 verse 1 you had the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins so now it comes not only are we are we accepted in the mind of god he's accepted us by his grace through the price of his son's sacrifice and obedience but now coming home to you when you were without strength, when you were living in our, and we were living in our sin, he made us alive. He quickened us. Made us alive to God. He put his spirit in us. So this is explained here in chapter 2, when we're put in the body of Christ, chapter 2, verse 19. You are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints. In a way, all of us in this room, we are saints and we are fellow citizens, like we have a spiritual passport to heaven. Our name is there. Of course, we don't need a passport. But we are citizens of heaven. We are in the family of God. We were dead, now alive. We were only sitting in Baltimore, but now we're seated in heavenly places. In chapter 2 and verse 6, we are in the household of God, in verse 19, in our built upon the foundations, the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Verse 21, chapter 2, in whom all the building fitly framed together. He goes from um, family, citizenship, like the household of God's citizenship. Now he moves to a building as a metaphor. And that the building is together. I think Steve mentioned to me there's some 900-year-old building in Japan. Do you remember you telling me that? 900-year-old building in Japan built out of wood without one nail in the building. Is that correct? Not, not, huh? No screws, no bolts, no nails. It's all fitly framed together. And it's 900 years old. Isn't that cool? All right, so the body of Christ, we have been fitly framed notched out, fitted in, perfectly in his building. So we are a building, but we are a lively building, a living building. And then the metaphor, the body of Christ, another picture, and he is the head, and we are members of the body. How does um, your concept of God grow here? How does that increase? It's 
written here. So let's look at it. Chapter 3, we're going to skip to, we, we did one verse in verse 1 in chapter 1, a couple of verses in chapter 2. Chapter 3, another one. There's a, a sequence in, our, in his writing. It makes sense what he is saying. He's leading us in the book of Ephesians. We are learning something that is very deep, hasn't been revealed in the Old Testament. He says that in chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. It hasn't been known by the prophets in the Old Testament what it is that we see now, which is the fellowship of the mystery of Christ in verse 9, chapter 3. To make all men see what is the fellowship of of the mystery. Now, uh, I want to say something about the little video we just saw up on the screen from the summer with these teams going out. And, and, and it could be seen two ways. Oh, that's nice. Those people get together. And, oh, yes, that's nice from different countries. And they're, that's very nice. But no, 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 wait a minute. You can't see it on a video, but those relationships are fitted together. That's not people alone. Jesus was sent so this would happen, that people in their heart, in their spirit, and knowledge of God would be increasing. It says that here in chapter 4. But it's the mystery of the fellowship, verse 9, chapter 3, to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God. What we saw in that video is something, if you can see it, it's almost the same as seeing Jesus in the first century. There are people that saw Jesus, but they didn't see Jesus. They just saw a man walk by him, didn't pay much attention to him. It's Jesus, but that's the Son of God. Yeah, 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 I don't think so. His family doesn't think so, John 7. Yeah, but it is. It's same with our Bible. You can say, I read the Bible. Yeah, yeah, sure, it's got a lot of this and that, you know. No, I read, no, it's really speaking to me. Really, it is. It's something, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. So, uh, let's go to the text here. Chapter 3, um, we look at <clears throat> verse 15 and 16 and 17, I think. And the verse, the, the, the sentence runs on to the end of the verse 21. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And that has to be one of our great blessings that we would be strengthened in the inner man by God. 
How do you finish your course? By God finishing the course with you. God, God is using means. He's using means to do things. I don't know if you understand what I mean by that. I mean, he uses means. God uses means. Can't God do anything and everything? Yes. But why does he tell us to do things like pray? Why does he, can, can he do it without me praying? Yes, but he uses means. He uses us. He wants to use us. A good illustration of it is farming. Let's say God made the world and he made vegetables and trees and or, you know fruit trees and everything. So, okay, okay, Lord, you've made all that, so go ahead. Grow a farm. And the Lord says, no, I need a farmer. And we say, oh, no, you don't need a farmer. You made all the plants and everything, and, and you can do it. Go ahead. And God, God goes, no, I use means to do it. What means do you use? I use a farmer. Well, what does a farmer have to do? He has to plow and water and weed. Yeah, but you are God. You're God. Come on. And the Lord goes, yeah, I am. And I made you to be a farmer. Are you going to be with me or not? Right? Are you going to walk with me? Or what do you think? Do you know that I can lead you and speak to you and together we do the farming? What's prayer? You say, of course God can do it without my prayer. But why, why, why doesn't he have the right? That's a ridiculous question, but I, I just say it for the context that he can... If he chooses to use you and me and then and be honored to walk with him, to be used by him, then then that's what we're learning about God. And you have to also say, how does my concept of God increase? I think part of it is by being used and participating with him in the walk of faith. How will we know who God is? Will Noah build an ark? Yeah, God, you can save the world. Don't talk to me like that. Build an ark. Yes, Lord, here I am. That's a servant. A servant isn't by reason, reasoning himself out of the plan, a servant is submitted to God and finding the nature of God and the joy of walking with God and being a tool in the hand of God. Okay, let's finish up here. Go to chapter 4. Another way that your understanding of God is increasing is by being in the body of Christ. So, we could read from verse 1. 
pretty far, maybe. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, as Pastor Gary pointed out, we are in a voluntarily in a box, so to speak, with God. I mean, if God limits my life to himself, I'll take it. I limit, I limit my life to himself. That's beautiful. Well, what do you mean? Obedience. If a man loves me, he will keep my commandments. And then what happens when you obey? You find him. And your way gets big. It says in the Psalm 22, no, Psalm 18, verse 22, my step, he enlarges my steps under me. And that's King James. I'm not sure how it reads in the Hebrew, but I, I have it in my mind that my size foot is size 10, and he enlarges my steps under me. So like, my my area that I walk in is like bigger than my shoe size. He enlarges my steps under me so I don't slip. He is upholding, upholding us as we walk with him. So um, chapter 4, verse uh, 2. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Now, here's a here's the thing about love. Um, here here's the thing about love. Here here's a bad habit. Here's a bad habit that I have. Bad habit. I I don't. I hate the bad habit, but I love it. I hate it. I can't get rid of it. I like it. I keep it in my, I keep it in the cellar. I have a bad, I hate it. I'm talking about bad it is and everything. And then, you know, on a Friday night, I slip, slip down into the cellar and I pull it out. And I do my thing. How do you get rid of it? How do you get rid of a bad habit? It's not by willpower. You, you can talk to psychologists about it or just men of God. You can, Find out that actually will I'm happy about willpower. Anybody that can overcome a bad habit by sheer willpower is awesome. I'm not against it, but I want to help you. I want to help you. The thing that is greater is is this is the greater affection. That thing that has greater love the greater love will exclude the bad habit. Where, what is that greater love? It's God. God's love. That's how that bad habit goes. You have now, like in that, in that calling that you have, you're a prisoner of the Lord, and that sounds bad, but to us it sounds very good. To be a prisoner of the Lord to be loved by God and then to love God with all our heart and mind and soul and strength. That's how my bad habits go away. I have a greater love that excludes the inferior thing. That thing is, is, is you are learning who is God. And when we learn who is God, then our life 
gets, we just live a, a much better life. We end up loving people like in a different, better way. We end up forgiving. We end up being motivated in our hearts, refreshed. We end up being more joyful and appreciative. We end up walking with God. The knowledge of God is the greatest thing on the earth. And it's the very thing that the natural man, he is sometimes, he's afraid of it. And the natural man doesn't know what it is. And he doesn't know who God is. But you, my dear sisters and brothers, know the Lord. You have the spirit of the Lord in you. And how how does this happen? Let's go to the text here. It says in chapter 4, let's just jump down to 11. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers, for the maturing, perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So these gifts in verse 11 is part of our growth. They help us. I hope it's obvious to you, maybe it should be pointed out to you that you need a local assembly. I, I say it to people I don't know on the sidewalk, you need a church. I might say to a guy on the sidewalk, have you been to church yet? No, I don't go to church. You should go to church and be born again. I just tell them directly, you should do that. You should. You need it. You should go to church and be born. You should be hear a message and be born again. Or you can be born again right now. But you need to be born of God. One other man I was talking to recently, I just said, you know, there's a lot of information about about uh, about becoming a believer. There's a lot of information. If you really want to know about it, you can study it out. You can learn about it. You have questions. There are very, very good answers to your questions. Very good answers. Excellent to your questions. So these are just talking to strangers because uh, our world is in trouble, and I think people know that. And what about God? I, I talked to a man on, the, on, the, on our street where we live, walking the dog. He, he was walking his dog, and we just had a talk, and I told him some deep things. And he's probably looking at me like, you know, what planet are you from, you know? <laughs> but I went right at it. I don't care. I mean, he doesn't have to understand me. I just want him to know that that I'm excited about the fact that there is that God is the answer for life and that Jesus is alive and that he answers prayers and he cares about us and he cares about you and even your dog. I didn't tell him that. I'm just talking now. Okay, let's go to the verse. It, what happens when you end up going to church? You mature. Verse 12. By the way, Teddy Roosevelt, you can Google this. Teddy Roosevelt in the Saturday Evening Post, wasn't it? He gave, was it, eight reasons why Americans should go to church. So Google it. Look it up. He gave 
Teddy Roosevelt, president, while he was president of the United States, he said that. Well, thank you, Lord, for giving us a president who would say that. Okay, so let's go to the, the text again. What do these people do that have these gifts? Well, an apostle, he, he did those gifts like Paul and wrote these epistles. Well, we don't have that today, but we have his epistles. And we have men who have something to say for the hour. That's a prophet. And we have evangelists and we have pastors and teachers. They may be the same person. I do think there are teachers who are not pastors, however. What happens in verse 12? We mature. The work of the ministry goes on. We challenge each other. Are you going to show up? Are you going to do this or do that? Not out of guilt or anything, but just, hey, I have fun. Let's go. Um, these kind of effects and influences that we have, leading, helping each other in the work of the ministry. And I'm amazed at the ladies in our church and how hard they work and the things that they do with their love and their faith and their joy. And uh, the men are trailing behind the ladies. So, no, they're great. Okay, verse 12. For the edifying of the body. Isn't that beautiful? Do you ever feel that when you're going home from being together that you have been genuinely edified? Have you? Do you ever feel like that? Come on. Man, the church is silent right now. I do. I feel like somehow one lady said to me, she goes, were you in my kitchen last night? Everything you said, you know, those kind of things. Well, that's so edifying to think that the Spirit cares about us so much, that the Spirit cares about us continuing in the faith, that the Holy Spirit is sent into the world to edify us, and to speak to our hearts. What an amazing thing that is. Of course he does. Of course he, he loves us and he cares about us. Of course he does. And then that's in us. And then it's got like almost the Holy Spirit has a body. That's your body that he can use. He can use your tongue. He can use your ears, your hands, your handshake, your hug. You know, it's a, the, the face, the eyes, the ministry of a body member that is able to build us up and edify us and what we are called into until we see Jesus. We will one day see Jesus and it'll be more clear than ever. But right now we get a little feeling of it, the smell, the scent, we get a little bit of an idea of what heaven is like. Somehow the, the joy, the laughter, the camaraderie, the uh, sense of purpose, the presence of God, the peace of God in our hearts. That has to happen in our lifetime. Not, not one day, well, I'll go to heaven. Yeah, I don't go to church, but I, I'm, I'm, you know, I think I'm going to go there. I'm saved. Uh, but I got, I got a life to live. And we're going, yeah, that, that's like just so easy. Look at it. That is so easy. Where, where was it? This one. It's so easy for me to be just filled with myself or, you know, 
And, and this is not what you and I are wanting. I didn't even know what I wanted. But you helped me find what I really wanted and what I needed. I needed somebody to slap me across the head one day just to say, knock it off. And it didn't literally happen, but spiritually it happened. Spiritually, I woke up. Uh, just like my football coach, who would just put his face in my in my helmet and just yell at me and swear at me and everything, and I love that guy so much. I go, wow, this is like the military. This is like the Navy SEALs. <laughs> He's a drill sergeant. I hope he doesn't kill me in the middle of the night. Hey, I might not want that, but I want a godly version of it. I want the Lord to say, when it's time to get out of Sodom and Gomorrah, then get out. I want the Lord to say, when it's time to get on Noah's Ark, you better get your backside in there. I need to know. I need to. I need a message. Because you are a fool. Turn to your neighbor and just say, you look very nice today. You don't say the other words. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah, almost you said the other words. Okay. We are, we are foolish. We get drunk. We become addicted. We get wrapped up in a relationship. Knock it off. Get rid of the girl. How about the bad habit? You know what you got to do with that? Where is it here? Here it is. The little bad habit I have in the cellar. I hate it. It's wrong. I go to recovery. It's wrong. I hate it, but I still keep it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. I want to yell that out. <laughs> Get rid of it. Knock it off. Get rid of it. How about that picture of that girl that you are infatuated with? And you stalk her home. You follow her home. God, for God, we're going to report you. You criminal, you you bad person. Why are you infatuated? Why are you addicted? Why do you have the photograph? Why are you uh, entertaining it? Why is your imagination filthy? Why are you an evil man? Why, why are you sitting in a church saying, you know, amen, but you got something else going on and it's buried in the cellar of your soul? Why? Why? Turn to your neighbor and say, why? Why? What's wrong with you? Come on. There's something better. Now let's read it and finish. I'm way. So yeah, he said that it would happen. <laughs> All right. Uh, one, there are people that are tossed to and fro. Verse 14. We're going to just skip up to verse 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together, compacted with every joint supplies, according to the effectual working, the measure of every part makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Is there an increase? Yes, there's an increase of Christ in the body. Let me finish. Churches are amazing, but churches can be also filled with problems. 
but they are amazing, just the same. They can be filled with division and jealousy and arrogance. Leaders can be that way. Uh, church life can be amazing. Church can be kind of dead or very emotional. But when the church life has edification and we have an understanding and we make good decisions that we get rid of, we clean the house, clean the house, and we're filled with your spirit and we get the knowledge of God. We get excited about Jesus. We get excited about our faith. We carry it in our hearts. We carry it in our hearts and it affects our lives. We carry it in our hearts. It does affect our lives. We get to control our tongue more. We get to guard our hearts better. We get to live a better life. We, we get to say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. We get to live another way. And it's so much better. And you have uh, the knowledge of, of God in your life. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, maybe some need some housekeeping and get rid of that thing, the thing that you hate and you love. Make a decision. God says get rid of it. Make a decision. And you'll grow and increase. And then, Lord, for America, our country, there are remnants of believers like us all over this country, millions of them actually, millions and millions of believers. Help us not to be deceived, misled by ourselves, by our culture, by friends, by the bar room, by bad habits, by bad counsel, by bad advice. Help us be wise, humble, and obedient to you. In Jesus' name. Anyone listening is not a believer, it's simple. Come to Jesus as you are with all your heart. Humble yourself before God with your heart and say, Jesus, here I am and save me by your grace. In your name, amen.